Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As the Inadines are down and finally arrived in English football, is it just Chris Smalling? Manchester United beat Watford 2-1 with a, a belly strike from Romelu Lukaku and a wonder strike from Chris Smalling. Good win, an important three points and the, the cloud of negativity around the club has lifted somewhat. We're talking that win in Series 4, Episode 6 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, as well as considering Alexis Sanchez, Romelu Lukaku, their two seasons so far, and Marouane Fellaini, the most elegant and able tree in the world at the moment. To start with, I think it's worth saying that the Watford game and the Burnley game before the international break, but particularly the Watford game, probably shows that there any suggestion that Mourinho has lost the dressing room at Man United is is completely wrong. Uh, this is definitely a squad and a team fighting for their manager, not not fighting amazingly, not in the most incredible, passionate way, but they are playing for their manager and fulfilling what he wants them to do. No suggestions that he's lost a dressing room in those two performances. No, not at all. I, you can clearly see the players are still are still playing for him. It's not. I, I, it is easy to get kind of caught up in in things like that, especially because of what's happened with Mourinho at other clubs. But there's no no suggestion of that. I don't think from the majority of, of fans, they're clearly still playing for the for the manager. And his reaction when um, after Smallin's goal, especially against Watford, really told told a big story of of the kind of feeling inside the club. You're definitely right about it lifting, lifting the feeling of everything, because there was sort of this air of negativity that I think was was becoming a, a big worry actually, because it was just going on for too long, and the international break didn't really didn't really help that too much, uh, just sort of stayed there really. But it was a good performance against Watford for the most part. Uh, I thought we started very well and ended the first half extremely well with a little bit of a of a dip in the middle. It was still frustrating to see us in the second half kind of sit on that 2-0 lead, which I know Mourinho after the game said he was frustrated at as well, which I was pleased to hear that he's frustrated at it, but also 
you know, if it's not coming from the manager, then why are the players thinking that they should just be sitting on their lead? And is it something that, because we've done it so many times under Mourinho, it's almost ingrained in them now. Yeah. Um, it seemed like we were really just playing with so much confidence after we got uh, we got Lukaku's first goal. And in that, I tweeted this as well, in that sort of 20 minutes between Lukaku's goal and uh, and half-time, or not 20, it was, about, it was about 10 or 15 minutes. That was probably the best I can remember us playing in 2018, potentially, for for a spell. We looked like we could score four or five goals in 10, 15 minutes. Mm. We had a number of really, really good chances that we should have put away. And we just kept the ball so, so well. We moved, we shifted it a lot quicker. The movement was a lot better from the front three. I, I That was a joy to watch. Yeah. It was just frustrating that we couldn't we couldn't recreate that in the second half. Yeah, definitely. There were there were some moments where Watford threatened in the first half, but not many, and and many most were dealt with pretty easily. And the, it is positive to hear Mourinho saying we should have scored more. But I feel like Mourinho has said that after most of the games where, uh, looking back to last season where we've drawn two two against Stoke City, where we've drawn against Leicester in the in the festive period, there were lots of games like that. And there are the games where we won 1-2-0 or 2-1, or just like the Watford game and Mourinho said we should have won by a lot more. And he said the same thing last season. It, it's clearly an issue. And I, 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 it is a positive that he's saying it, but at the same time he has been saying it for over a season now. So there is clearly an issue of getting the United players to carry on pushing for more goals when they are in front and it's happened so it's a recurring theme at United and it, it was the same under Van Gaal and under Moyes inviting pressure onto ourselves and then allowing the opposition to get themselves back into the game Watford were not in the game at all um, before we allowed them to, to, to be so and the same can be said for, for lots of teams we played in the past so yes it's very annoying and if Mourinho, we we can't really tell what Mourinho is saying to to the media and the fans and what he's saying to the players. But there, there's definitely a, a mentality United that you sit back after your at least two goals in front. It's frustrating knowing that we are capable of producing football like that. It would almost obviously it would be worse, but it would almost be less frustrating to watch us play the way that we have been playing a lot this season if that was our ceiling. But it's just so annoying knowing that we are capable of playing like we did at the end of that first half. And that we just don't for so much of the time. And I think it's partly on Mourinho because I don't think that, I mean, I just to, to keep going on about this, but we don't, we don't have any kind of an attacking system. There seems to be a lack of coaching in us going forward. But it is also on the players too, because clearly they are capable of producing that themselves. And yet they don't week in, week out. And not necessarily, I don't expect us to perform at our, our best every single game and every single minute of every game. But I don't expect us to only produce our best for 15 minutes out of, what, five games so far this season. Uh, that that just isn't good enough, really. It needs it needs to change. And whether that... It probably needs to come from both Mourinho and the players, to be honest, because we need better coaching. We need a better yeah. system to be able to allow the players to get the best out of themselves. But it is also down to the players to be able to actually, to actually make themselves into sort of the team that we know they can be. Um, I, I wonder if having Fellaini in the team actually despite all of our not hatred but I guess dislike of seeing him in the team and what he represents has actually helped us quite a lot because maybe it does give a bit more freedom to to those players ahead of him but I think it definitely does yeah. to, for me I just think the difference between playing Fellaini or Pereira there should not maybe it is maybe it is better for our team at the moment which I'm still not convinced on but even if it is it shouldn't be the difference between 
playing like we did against Brighton and playing like we did at the end of the first half against Watson. Yeah. The difference that Fellaini versus Pereira makes is not that big. Well, I, th- I think Brighton for the, for the main part was an off day for everyone on the pitch at a inconveniently coinciding with each other. But yeah, yeah I, I get your point that the difference shouldn't be that great. Before we go into the midfield, it is to, to win away at Watford is at the start of this season is a, is a good achievement and to do so reasonably comfortably although we did have a little scare at the end and were saved by De Gea but Tottenham were beaten by Watford they've won their last four games and then to, to go and pretty much nullify their entire threat for most of the game is, is good and yeah it, it's kind of down to I, th- I think the good thing from that is that the the wins against Watford and Burnley have both been because of Mourinho's tactics rather than despite Mourinho. And that's kind yes. of a, a a proof that Mourinho still has got some... Well, we know he's got some ability. Mourinho still has the ability to pull off win after win, adapting to the teams he's facing. And so, and we we don't like the fact that we adapt to the teams we face that much as as united fans because we feel as a as a top supposed top club that we should be imposing our style on the opposition rather than adapting to theirs but realistically that's that's how marino works he plays the odds and he, and he adapts and he knows all of his opponents very well and knows how to deal with them and he's dealt with them in the last two games with with Watford and Burnley but going on to the the, the kind of new midfield we've seen against Watford and Burnley either side of the international break Fellaini, Matic and Pogba it, it's not amazing but as you say it manages to protect the defence and retain some level of creativity um, and I think I, I remember saying on the podcast we recorded after Burnley I was saying Fellaini is clearly there to protect Lindelof in the air and he did that against Burnley. He did it against Watford. Two very direct teams. Maybe Mourinho will shake things up when we play a less direct team, a better team, or someone who keeps on the floor a lot more. Maybe we'll see a slightly different system, maybe some different personnel. But for, for games like this, it it's it's very good. And it will be interesting to see it against a different side because Burnley and Watford are both quite similar in their style of playing, being very direct and using big, powerful players to, to challenge kind of weaker defenders in the air like Lindelof. But... It, it, it's working and we've been kind of searching for the man to release Pogba for the last four transfer windows and we bought Matic and we bought Fred and maybe he's been here the whole time and we've just seen him <laughs> as the wrong kind of players an attacking midfielder yeah. and it, it is Marouane Fellaini yeah I mean maybe you're right maybe that is it is what it, I don't really I don't really know exactly what uh, what Fellaini brings that say Matic or, or Fred don't I can't really put my finger on it, but it does it does seem to have helped Pogba a little bit. Even if just because not necessarily not necessarily because of Fellaini himself, but because of where he's being played. In the playing him as the deepest of of those three in midfield, with another pretty defensive midfielder in Matic behind him, then gives Pogba even more licence to go forward than he would have, say, if it was Matic or Fred or Fellaini and Fred or Pereira yeah. and Fred or who whoever it might be. I, I, I think I wonder if it's almost that just sort of change to the system rather than the player himself. But having said that, despite the fact that I'm still very cautious to pray to you know say Fellaini is the savior of Paul Pogba, um, you got to give credit to Fellaini for the performances he's putting because he's done very very well against Burnley and Watford. It was nice to see us. I mean, obviously scoring from a corner isn't the nicest goal you're ever going to score, but it was nice to see us score from 
something that's clearly been worked on in training from the corners. You could see it for a couple of times before that corner where Young was trying to play those sort of drilled balls towards the back post. It didn't quite come off. Fellaini didn't manage to get his head on the first couple. But then when it did come off uh, for obviously Smallin's Zinedine Zidane-like volley, it was great to see something that we'd actually clearly worked on in training come off on the pitch because we don't normally see that as crazy as it sounds. We don't really see many sort of pre- I guess. Um, well, we we've been left we've been left questioning what quite United do in training for yeah. about the last two years. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a positive. I think I think the thing with Fellaini is yeah, it's it's partly the change of system, but it, with both Fellaini and Matic, if you had Fellaini and Fred and Pogba, um, there's still an emphasis on creativity and attacking on both Fred and Pogba. Whereas now I think with Fellaini and Matic, Matic is there to be a protector slightly further up the pitch of of the back four and a Fellaini and to be an option at all times to help Pogba bring the ball out of defence and bring it forward, etc, etc. Fellaini is much deeper, is just in front of, of Smalley and Lindelof, pretty much within touching distance of both of those at all times in the middle of them and really, really, really protecting the, the back four, which has obviously been weak and there's been individual errors, but also errors as a team. And that that's Fellaini's role. And the only midfielder left with the with the task of creating and attacking, really, is, is Paul Pogba. And the emphasis is fully on him and he's not crowded by, say, Fred or Andreas Pereira, um, who were also trying to, to kind of do the same role as him. And even when Pereira was played deep in pre-season and, and at the start of the season with United, even when he's played deep, we said, well, we we still want him to create and, and to use those kind of vertical passes through lines. And so it's that kind of tough dilemma of do you make Pereira a completely defensive midfielder and say, no, stop and just let Pogba do his thing, which is what Fellaini does and it's proving effective. But then you're missing out on Pereira's real talents. And so maybe we have to sacrifice Pereira's best talents for the the performances of Paul Pogba, who hasn't been amazing, but has put in two good performances and and done some incredible passing, all kinds of different passes against Burnley and Watford, and been an, an influence in the team, which we we haven't actually seen that much over the last three seasons. Yeah, it's true, and it's you know pretty shocking that we have to say that about who I think is undoubtedly our best outfield player and obviously our most expensive player. Um, but I do think that the Watford the Watford game was a good performance by Pogba. It wasn't his best performance in a United shirt, but it was just very good. It was very controlled. He didn't try and do too much with the ball when he had it. But there were still these moments of brilliance. One one that I remember um, very well was in the in the second half when he, he threaded this uh, really really tight through ball, uh, sort of down the, the side of the penalty area to Lukaku, then tried to cut inside uh, Cabasele but couldn't quite manage it. And that there was just one one instance of Pogba being a big influence on the game whenever he had the ball. Um, like I said, it wasn't his best performance in the United shirt, but I think the the thing that pleased me the most was that there were very, very, very few mistakes. Yeah. And even in his best performances for United, he there's still a mistake or two in him because of the type of player he is and because of the things that he tries to do with the ball. And it was nice to actually see that toned down a little bit. And he, he won us a few very crucial free kicks in the second half to relieve pressure whenever the ball came out to him. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know... As you said, playing playing away against Watford at the moment is not the easiest thing in the world. They're a, a, a good side who are very, very high on confidence. 
Um, and actually going into this game, they they reminded me a little bit of, of Leicester from a couple of seasons ago when they won the title. Not not in that I thought they are going to go on and actually win the title, but just in the... I, when you're playing a team like that who's playing with so much confidence, it's always a, a sort of slippery, uh, tough game. You know, it, it gave me massive uh, flashbacks to the 5-2 defeat to Leicester because it was a similar point in the season with a team, you know, really high on confidence. So I think Pogba, I don't know if this was intentional or if it was just sort of, it came from the situation of the game, but whatever it was, I think he did very well to kind of judge that situation and judge how tense it was, especially in the second half and really just tone things down a little bit and play simply. And and he was very, very influential on the ball whenever he had it. It's partly going back to basics, but it's also the, the change of his position on the pitch. He has been playing much deeper for United and putting Fellaini and Matic that far behind him means, A, if Popper does make a mistake um, with the... I mean, the kind of football that he plays and that we want him to play even does lend itself to making a lot more mistakes than other players on the pitch and that's fine. That's uh, the kind of midfielder he is but putting him further up the pitch making um, and having more more cover for him in Fellaini and Matic behind him and not only that but also having more space because most of the mistakes he would be committing now he's playing further forwards are higher up the pitch there's more space for United to cover just means that if he ever does mis- make mistakes maybe if you're if you're watching quite casually you're going to notice him much less so he might have made some mistakes against Watford he might have made the same number of mistakes as he does but they're just in less dangerous areas because we're not tasking Pogba with doing everything on the pitch we're not saying you have to take the ball out of defence bring it into attack etc etc which is where you get very vulnerable if you if you do make mistakes going back to Fellaini though I think the important thing is just once you get past the the fact that Fellaini probably shouldn't be our solution um, for given how much money we've spent over the last three, four, five years. I think once you get past that, then you can kind of accept that maybe for the entire season, maybe just for half of the games this season, that Maran Fellaini is going to be um, a a solution for United. Um, and if you just if you put yourself in in the shoes of Watford and Burnley, you're coming up against Victor Lindelof and Chris Smalling and United, who have struggled massively against Brighton and against Spurs in terms of their defensive structure and aerial battles. And yet, because of Fellaini, a team who were struggling in the air and were struggling defensively, are sudden suddenly pretty solid and have conceded once in two games against away to two teams who are pretty tough to play away against. Yeah, it's true. I, you're right in that it is kind of hard to stomach that after all the money we've spent, we still have to go back to Fellaini. But if if you are willing to look past that, ultimately, I mean, I, personally, I, I would put myself as more of a, of a pragmatist um, than probably most people in that, for me, football is all about winning. And if we can look great while doing it, then that's brilliant that's obviously what I want but I'd rather us win more games looking not so great so I don't necessarily mind Fellaini being in there um, as long as he does help the team and he and he does seem to be doing that and at the end of the day if he can help us get the best out of other players around him in what is hopefully a temporary solution to this problem because I do not want and don't think that Fellaini is the solution to this problem long term um, but even if, as a temporary solution for now, if he helps the team, then then so be it. And I think what you said earlier is is very true, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when we play 
a team that isn't quite so direct as Watford and Burnley. Um, because tactically, there is actually, a, I would say, very good reason behind playing Fellaini in these, in these specific games. Because the way that Watford play and when they actually cause us a lot of problems on, on, sun, on Saturday even, not Sunday, uh, was when they got the ball up to Dini through long balls from the back with the knockdowns into Andre Gray or Pereira or Will Hughes, whoever is around him, and then they sort of feed off of that. It is a similar thing with Bernie, where they play very direct and then try to get balls fed off, uh, fed off of the strikers. You know, when you when you're playing against teams like that, it makes sense to have someone like Fellaini in there in front of the back four, uh, especially when, you know, as you said, our back four is pretty shaky in Smalling and Lindelof. So, from a tactical standpoint, I think it made some sense to play Fellaini in the last couple of games. I just hope that it doesn't now become sort of a long-term thing where we, we seem to think that all of our midfield problems are solved because Fellaini has had a couple of good games. No, and and also Watford and Burnley are, are challenges airily, as, as I've said many times so far in the first 20 minutes of this episode. Um, they are challenges in terms of their strikers and, and in the air with their directness, but their midfielders aren't, their midfield aren't that strong. When United come up against a properly strong midfield, and then Fellaini's role as kind of the protector of Lindelof and Smalling in the air is kind of unnecessary, then how that midfield of Pogba, Matic, Fellaini copes will be will be interesting to see. Um, moving on to Alexis Sanchez, fewer shots than Marcus Alonso this season. Generally, looking at times good and most of the time pretty poor. Um, substituted against Burnley. No, substituted substituted against Watford, and I think it. A lot of a lot of people are now saying, well, it, it's time for him to either play up top next to Lukaku or by himself as a striker, or as an attacking midfielder behind Lukaku, and no more chances on the left because he's had he's had plenty of chances. I think he's played twenty two times in the in the league now. I think for United or maybe all competitions and, and scored three goals, created uh, three or four. I think a lot of United fans are thinking, well, it's time to give someone else a chance on that on that left flank and move either Sanchez to the bench or into the middle. It's going to have to come a time when the tether for Sanchez is up because it's been, I think, far too long already. But since January, pretty much hasn't missed a meaningful game and has probably had, off the top of my head, maybe two good games for United. Gen- like genuinely good performances with the best one probably being the FA Cup semi-final I would say and that for a player that I mean obviously the transfer fee wasn't as high as it could have been and etc etc but for a player with the reputation of Sanchez and how much he's getting in wages per week you expect him to be producing a lot lot more than what he has done so far and I know I know we you know we've had a long a long tether with Pogba which I guess is a sort of similar situation but for me there's a couple of key differences one, Pogba plays in a position where it is much harder to do things all on your own. That's not to say that he can't do things on his own because he can. Um, and two, Pogba has shown flashes throughout his United career of what he can do. Whereas from Sanchez, he really hasn't. Even his best game, what I think is his best game in the United shirt in the FA Cup semi-final, was nowhere near the kind of standards that he set in his first couple of seasons at Arsenal. And whether this is actually him you know, on a decline because of his age or because of fatigue, I don't know. But I think there has to come a time, and it should come very, very soon in my opinion, where we have to call time on, not not on Alexis United's career, but on him being an automatic starter every single week. 
there is every single game there's there's sort of maybe one thing that he'll do where you'll say yeah that's why we bought him and that's it and now that'll be it for the entire game and this week it came in like the very first sort of two or three minutes I'm pretty sure what it was where he put in a uh, a crossover to Lukaku that he tried to take down with his his um with his right foot and Foster came out and smothered it. And other than that, he was anonymous for the entire game. It's getting to a point now where it's gone on for way too long. We can't justify him keeping other people out of the team. For me, if I was Mourinho now, I would give Alexis one more game until Rashford yeah. is back from suspension because. Having seen the way I tweeted about this yesterday, I was getting very angry at this um, in the last sort of the last stages of uh, of the game against Watford. Because when Martial came on, I thought his performance was pathetic. To tell you the truth, he looked like he didn't really care what was going on. I don't think I saw him sprint once in the entire in the entire fifteen twenty minutes he was on the pitch. I understand that he's not been given many opportunities and he's not been treated the best by the club. But if his effort is going to be like that when he comes on, he doesn't deserve to be the one to take Sanchez's place in my opinion yeah. so if I was Mourinho I would give Alexis one more game until Rashford is back from suspension and if he doesn't perform then I think he's he's on the bench for Rashford yeah I think I think it's worth getting it, it depends do we think it's worth sacrificing the current system and, and the stability it's got to try and get the best out of Alexis Sanchez um is it is a question that Mourinho will have to answer I don't think it really is because the thing, the thing is how can you can you tell me where where you think Alexis Alexis would do better than he is now on on the left wing? Well, I think at his current age and, and the decline we're now seeing, I think he'd probably be at his best either up front, just off Lukaku, or, or slightly deeper behind Lukaku as a attacking midfielder. But then you're sacrificing one position in 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 that three man midfield, which is finally looking okay, even without uh, Fellaini. And even before Fellaini came in, the midfield is looking better than it was. So I I don't think it is unless worth you then switch back to a three five two like we used in pre season a little bit and then you could get well, all of those players in in the team keep the midfield the same yeah you go with Alexis Sanchez behind possibly you'd scrap the wingers and go with a, a Sanchez or Sanchez and Lukaku up top with Lingard behind potentially with Rashford and Lukaku up top um, but yeah I do think Rashford should come in ahead of Martial but I think they should be given each be given three or four games on the on the bounce build some consistency up being given proper chances because there's a, there's always that thing of oh they've been given chances but one game or even two games in a row isn't really a chance to kind of find yourself on that on that left flank for united but yeah i do think sanchez should should be out of the team now and there's pub uh, pub has been dropped by marina before um the champions league game away at Sevilla last season um should be the same for sanchez lukaku though Scoring another goal, broken Didier Drogba's Premier League record while being much younger. Um, most Premier League goals since the start of 2012 to 13 is Sergio Aguero with 123, Harry Kane with 110, and then Lukaku with 105. And I mean, during this time, Aguero has played for the team that finished second, then as champions, then second, then fourth, then third, and then as champions. And Kane finished for a team kind of averaging a, a third place finish, while Lukaku played for a team kind of averaging a a seventh place finished with West Brom and then Everton and then a, a, a reasonably poor United who finished sixth in one of the seasons under Mourinho. Um, 
I think I think those stats just kind of show how how underappreciated Lukaku is. And I mean, he scored with his belly against <laughs> against Watford, which I loved. Um, and it's not his best game, but it's another goal. And I think he's racking them up nicely. And I think he will probably score quite a few more this season than last season, particularly if that midfield in United can start to kind of gel a lot more and, and the cogs can get turning even better than, than, than they were against Burnley and Watford. Because I think Lukaku could be scoring a goal per game and obviously that won't always be the case but he should be hitting 25 Premier League goals for United yeah absolutely I don't think there's any question that he should be hitting 25 goals a season if he wants to be considered in that sort of the, the names you mentioned like the group of those players who are at the top of that list of goals he has to be producing 20-25 goals a season because that's what those players have been doing like I'm mean, the the goal numbers that he has so far are pretty incredible. Like you said, when you consider the the actual teams that he's been playing for, when one of those seasons was spent at a very lowly West Brom, a few at, at sort of mid table Everton who were struggling in some of those seasons as well, is a very very impressive goal record. And I don't think he's I don't think he's been at his best so far this season. Not at all. He looked a lot better than he has done so far for us this season at the World Cup. I I was really, really excited to get him back in the United shirt because sort of he, he took the improvements that we spoke about at the end of last season into the World Cup and I thought it was brilliant, despite probably not being the main star of that Belgian side. I thought he had a very, very good tournament. He hasn't quite hit that form yet. I don't know if it's just because of the system that he's playing in or if it's just something on him, you know, not really hitting his stride, but... I mean, what what is it now? Five, got four goals this season. Five, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, four or five. I'm not e- sure, yeah, yeah e- either one. It's been a a very good start of the season, goal scoring wise, and he hasn't really managed to hook up great performances yet. So if we can if we can get both, that'd be very very exciting for what he could do for us. I think against Burnley, we saw him. He looked his all round game looked a lot better, and he got more chances against Burnley than he actually did against Watford. And I think that was because Jesse Lingard had a reasonably good game against Watford. Lingard was pretty pretty quiet and and, and not good, um, and was deservedly subbed um, after a time. And I think a bad Jesse Lingard kind of it doesn't stop Lukaku from scoring clearly because he scored against Watford but it stops Lukaku getting quite so many chances and also stops him getting involved in in the kind of link-up play quite so much and he looks a lot more isolated without Lingard but then when Lingard's playing badly he doesn't look isolated he just looks bad but he still scored and, and that and that's a key because and the reason I don't think the reason he should get 25 goals is just in comparison to those those strikers because I think those strikers are getting Perhaps not Harry Kane. He's uh, he's making a lot of his own chances sometimes with the with the goals he scores from outside the box. But definitely Sergio Aguero is getting many many more chances than than Lukaku at United. But the reason she get twenty five is because he's starting every game for United, and Aguero is sometimes rested because he's a lot older than Lukaku. Uh, Gabriel Jesus is sometimes given a chance. Whatever formation City play, sometimes it could be it could even be Sterling up top. Lukaku is, is Mourinho's go-to man. He's part of that spine. I think also an interesting thing from the Watford game and the Burnley game is that maybe we're starting to see a spine form United. Chris Smalling now looks certainty to be Mourinho's first choice defender this season. Uh, he said he was... He spoke about uh, not making the England squad and said he was he was gutted not to make it, but it did allow him a full pre-season. And that meant at the start of the United season that he was Mourinho's first choice while they waited for other people to come back, like Phil Jones, like Marcus Rojo, who's who's injured and, and is on his way back. 
So Smalling now looks definitely to be there. Obviously, you've got De Gea in goal. And perhaps we're... Obviously, we've got Lukaku up front. And perhaps we're seeing Fellaini is going to be that, that other key member of the spine. And you, you kind of hope not, because that compared to the, the spine of Czech, Terry, Lampard and Drogba, that is... Uh, is very weak in comparison, but it could be the case. And Mourinho will build around that and, and kind of give other people chances around that. But Lukaku not being involved in that much build-up play so far this season, but in terms of goal scoring, it, it is looking very good and ticking along very nicely, which is exactly what we want. Yeah, it's it's going to be... In, in terms of the spine, I think I'll deal with that first. I think in terms of the spine, it's good to see us getting a little bit of consistency in our lineup. Although we thought we had that at the start of the season and it then went after Lindelof and Bayer made some mistakes against Brighton. So I, it, even though I personally would, would go with different people in those positions, it isn't at least good to have some consistency in there. We spoke yeah. before about how, especially at centre-back, it's so important to have uh, to have a proper partnership forming and it not just be you know, mm. one player playing every game with a, sort of a revolving well, door at the other centre-back position. Yeah, I think I think Smalling Lindelof is now looking pretty solid as well in terms of not yeah. not necessarily solid, but looking solid in terms of Mourinho picking them every week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it, to be honest with you, I'd much e- even though I think Lindelof and Bayer is our best centre back partnership, I'd much rather have Smalling and Lindelof than say Lindelof every week with a new centre back playing every every other game because you know they do need yeah. to build up a partnership, and I do think long term that will be the best solution. Um. So it is good that we're building up a spine. Obviously, the top and bottom ends in Lukaku and De Gea are sort of unquestioned and extremely good. Um, then in the midfield, okay, maybe Fellaini isn't exactly the, the player that we all want in there, but he is. He has been helping the team recently. He has been putting in good performances. So long may that continue. In, ter- in terms of um, Lukaku, just going back to what you were saying about Lingard, I totally agree that I think Lingard is one of our most important players because... The way that he plays, he, he, I'm not saying he's he's our best player, um, but the way that he plays is so so important to us because he creates so much space for other players. He really brings everyone else into the game, and his movement is so good that it takes so many defenders away and then creates so much space for the likes of Lukaku or Pogba or Alexis who, or whoever might be uh, might be getting forward at that time. And we did struggle, um, I think, at times against Watford because Lingard didn't have didn't have his best game. Um, I, I think Lingard should be starting every game if we're playing 4-3-3 on the right because even though he's maybe that's not his favourite position of all of our forwards who could potentially play in uh, right wing he's probably I think the one best suited to it and his movement is just so good that it does create so many opportunities for other people in the team yeah right we must move on um, to our, our youth update Man United's under 18s beat Blackburn 4-3 in a, in a brilliant game at the weekend obviously you can tell by the scoreline uh, Mason Greenwood scored his first hat-trick of the season and there'll probably be many more this campaign Greenwood is an astonishingly good player for his age um, I've, I'm not going to compare him to anyone I'm not going to say he's better than this player but he is just ridiculously good at scoring goals and he's such a talent and hopefully we might see him make his under-23s debut um, at some point this season, obviously played a bit in pre-season for United, United's first team. Um, that hat-trick included a fantastic goal, which just showed off his, his dribbling skills as well as his finishing skills. Anthony Alanga scored the the other goal in that in that game. The under-23s, meanwhile, drew 1-1 against Reading, thanks to a goal from Josh Bowie. Uh, Marcus Rojo played in that game, but came off at one point and looked to have an injury. 
um, or not necessarily injury, but maybe a flare-up of what he was just recovering from. So we'll, we'll see. He'll probably play a couple more in the 23s game before he comes back to the first team. Diogo Dallo also played and should make his first team debut soon. He's now played two games for under 23s. In low news, Dean Henderson started against Bristol in a 1-0 loss for Sheffield United after spending the international break with England's under-21 side. Kieran O'Hara's Irish under-21 side won the end of a drubbing from Germany, but he came back and then played for Macclesfield in a, in a 2-1 loss to Lincoln. Demi Mitchell's Hearts up in Scotland are doing brilliantly at the top of the Scottish Premier League. Won 1-0 against Motherwell. I think they've won all of their games so far this season. Axel Twanzebe Aston Villa played in a 1-1 draw against Blackburn. Cameron Borthwick Jackson was injured after 31 minutes with concussion and a 3-2 win for Scunthorpe United against Wimbledon. Matty Willock was a, a quick sub for St Mirren against Celtic, one of the players known from United who didn't play much of the weekend and the two who didn't play, Timothy Fossimens was unused sub for Fulham against Man City and James Wilson's injured so not in action for Aberdeen. Let's very quickly talk about the UEFA Champions League being back and playing young boys. We've got Juventus coming up which will be the hardest challenge. Um, but Young Boys is a, could be an easy side to underestimate, uh, however wrong that sentence sounds, because of their name, which has obviously made many, many jokes so far on Twitter. But an easy side to underestimate and often challenging for English teams playing in Switzerland. Famously, United have had it with Basel, but now we've got it with their rivals, Young Boys. And I, I just hope we're not on the end of a, an, an embarrassing, underestimating of our opponents. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the... As as soon as Young Boys came out of the hat, I just thought it's kind of the same thing about flashbacks to Basel um, and getting upset against them. So hopefully we don't underestimate them too much because I think it's very easy in Champions League games because of how great the best teams are and how much you sort of focus on them. It's so easy to underestimate the sort, the sort of smaller sides, I guess. Um, and it's then very easy to get tripped up against them as we've seen a lot um, for in our, for ourselves in the Champions League, you know, there's been quite a lot of times in the last sort of seven or eight years where we haven't made it out out of the groups because we have underestimated those smaller sides. As long as we do that, obviously, we should be beating young boys. There's no question about that. But as we've seen in the Premier League, um, we don't always perform to script against some of the sides that we should on paper be beating. Yeah, prediction away. I'll go for a very scrappy 1-0 win. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can see it being like uh, Benfica away in the group stages last season when uh, Marcus Rashford got that kind of lucky free kick goal against their, their like 19-year-old goalkeeper or something because their first team keeper was injured. Like that kind yeah, of game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 United okay. though. And I'll go with... Uh, Thinking about scorers as well. I'll go with I'll go with Lingard to score. Lingard to score. I'll go with uh, Paul Popper to score in a 2-1 victory. I'm not sure who will get the other, but I don't need to say that, I don't think. No. Anyway, <laughs> that is all we have time for on Series 4, Episode 6 of the Manchester United Week Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, for more from Jack throughout the week, you can follow him on Twitter at at UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thank you as always for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye.
Smartcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.